Welcome to The Label Podcast, a show about disability, illness and difference. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. And that's Don't forget, in this episode, I might swear, Lucy might cry, and you should check out the topic for this episode because it's probably going to be spoilers. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Labelled Podcast. This week, it's me, Alice, and uh, once again, I'm joined by another one of our fabulous previous guests, Melissa. Melissa was uh, on the show actually really quite recently. Um as part of our collaboration with the National Autistic Society, Melissa came on to talk to us about being um, a woman and a person of colour and a parent um, with autism and a parent of autistic children. So uh, that was a really interesting episode. If you guys want to go back and listen, um, that came out back in February. Uh, and during that episode, as with most episodes on the show, we went off on a tangent and uh, had a little bit of a chat about uh, Game of Thrones. And I learned that Melissa used to uh, do a YouTube podcast about Game of Thrones. So I thought as part of our uh, sort of cover episodes that we're doing i'd drag melissa back on and get her to talk to us about game of thrones because since talking to melissa i have now seen game of thrones i gave in so um i have i have had the the ending ruined for me not ruined because i now know what the ending is but ruined because of my feelings towards the ending <laughs> melissa is nodding and scowling um, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you for coming back Melissa it's really nice to have you thank you it's lovely to be back so Game of Thrones um, I, I it's a big topic when I first sort of raised it with you I was like I don't know whether you want to try and try and squeeze disability in Game of Thrones into one episode it feels like you could probably do about eight because of all the different disabilities that um, different characters have in that show or whether we're going to talk about a particular character this week yeah and I think initially I was going to talk about a particular character but I think I want to talk about disability in Game of Thrones yeah if that's okay yeah I mean yes absolutely um yeah I mean there's there's so there's so much to cover I think and there's so you know there's some some really very sort of a lot of changes i think in disabled characters um but yeah i think well i mean let's let's get stuck in uh melissa if you'd like to kind of take the reins have you watched house of the dragons as well oh, you... i haven't watched house oh, of the dragons yet That's come on, my... on. <laughs> that one's on my oh, list oh. okay I only just finished Game of Thrones. Give me a break. Okay, I'll, I'll let you off somewhat. <laughs> I mean, it's only 10 episodes. You could watch that quite easily, in, in my opinion. But I know, I know it's, life gets in the way. Yeah, as you say, it's finding the time. And yeah. one of the things that um, 
really irritatingly so hbo are really good about um doing audio description for all of their shows but you can't get any straight up like access to hbo max or anything like that here in the uk mm. so any of the shows that you like you can watch some of them on sky yeah. but sky can be a bit hit and miss about whether they provide the audio description right so my poor long-suffering husband downloaded every episode of game of thrones and then downloaded a separate audio track that had the audio description and all the conversation and stuff in it and then matched it all up oh gosh what a good husband i know right <laughs> this is it i'm talking from a place of privilege where i can um just go and watch an episode whenever i feel like it. i don't have to take into account any of that although mm. as an autistic person subtitles helps a lot yeah and i get really frustrated when subtitles don't match what's being said in a show or mm. if they don't have subtitles but if if subtitles aren't there it's it's not the end of the world for me so I, i'm mm. i'm talking from a person with with privilege if that makes sense yeah no it's um it's i i understand and in terms of subtitles i think the things that always really wind me up is i understand that subtitles can be really difficult for live tv but if it's a pre-recorded show you've got no excuses just laziness 100 percent. yeah yeah so yes so um game of thrones disability game of thrones and disability so i think there's there's two things on like reflecting for this this uh, podcast there's there's two things i thought of so you have the visible disabilities mm -hmm. uh, of which we have um Tyrion yeah because uh, he's a small person mm -hmm. and we have some people who are um they have difficulties with sight but you can tell because of the covering of their eyes yeah um yeah. so you can tell that they they have a disability with their vision mm -hmm. and then you have the invisible disabilities so and a lot of the invisible disabilities are um were inflicted in childhood yeah there's a lot of acquired disabilities yeah in, which i think actually in a lot of ways you think about the sort of semi-historical setting that kind of medieval setting mm. um i suspect actually there was probably a lot of disability caused following accidents and things like that i think um, you know golden hands and being pushed off of towers is, was fairly unlikely it was more likely that you know you fell off your horse yeah but um yeah it's uh i i did think that was interesting but then in terms of some of the other invisible disabilities i, I am thinking immediately of uh hodor yeah um you know and and how that kind of came about um yes it is i think um I think inflicted is an interesting word to choose as well, because I think that's very much the way that they're portrayed yeah. as a look at this awful thing that happened to this child. Mm. Yeah, I guess for me, when I was thinking of um, inflicted, I was thinking of people like Varys and mm -hmm. the Unsullied who were... Mm. Um, they they had all been they're castrated. castrated aren't they? Yeah. And is that classed as a disability? I honestly i wouldn't know i would um i would 
want to speak to people who, you know, perhaps I think for some people they may find that disabling. I think for others, there's it's probably um, perhaps false. Again, I'm talking completely out of my own, you know, this is not from my own experience at all, but um, I wonder if it perhaps falls similarly within the veins of people who are intersex, you know, in that kind of, it's, it's more an identity sort of sexuality. I, I don't know though, because like the Unsullied, that was part of their initiation into mm. becoming soldiers. And, you know, they had to kill a dog. I think they had yes. to kill a child and they were castrated so that, you know, they could be like killing machines. Yes. And then yeah. you had Varys who was abused. He was mm. sold um, and he was he was castrated. You also have Theon Greyjoy. who's Oof, my... Yeah. And, and again, yeah. he, he was castrated. And, um, you know, I guess for me, I have always seen it as a disability. But as I'm talking now, I'm like, oh, I'm not sure. Well, I, I've certainly heard interviews with um, women who have experienced FGM, yeah. who still see themselves as very sexually empowered and, you know, feminine and do not see that it impacts on that element of their sexuality. Mm. So I suppose if we're saying, you know, this is not a, it, this is it doesn't impact their sexual identity um, because Varys is you know there's a lot of implications that Varys is probably gay um, and of course you know you can have a sexual identity without having genitals mm. um, so I suppose it probably would fall into the category of disability rather than you know what your sexual identity is yeah um, and I think it's a really interesting comparison because, you know, picking up on what you were talking about with Varys, like Varys is, is abused and, you know, what happens to him and, and what happens to Theon. Theon is, you know, tortured. Mm. Um, but then I, I just, I think it's really interesting the way that obviously the, the, the show has framed what happens to the unsullied as different whereas actually all of the that you know aren't they taken as children they are all abused yeah. they are all tortured and castrated and you know it's legitimized because it's supposed to make them these incredible soldiers but actually these are all abuse survivors yeah and they're, they're all slaves as well mm. um so um yeah as, and, and so for me I guess I wanted to I think I think when we think of like Tyrion for instance and how he starts out he's a bit of a lovable rogue where he doesn't mm -hmm. have he doesn't really have an identity other than being a womanizer and a drunk mm -hmm. and um you know the family disapproves of him especially his 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 dad like hates him and how um the dad absolutely loves jamie mm. jamie for them is the messiah he's the heir he's mm. going to 
get married and have lots of beautiful blonde-haired, blue-eyed children who will continue the 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 Lannister name, you know, and mm-hmm. and we see these two very different characters and how over the course of the eight seasons how much they change mm. and both find purpose but like real mm-hmm. purpose um not the purpose that's bestowed on them by the family but mm. real purpose and how it was for for for, for Tyrion actually his purpose came when he um had to when he was completely cast out from the family and had to run for his life and mm. had to make his own life for himself and for Jamie as well his 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 journey his arc started to we started to see that he was a decent person again when he was completely uh, detached from his family as well mm-hmm. when he mm-hmm. was um with Brienne Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they were just trying to stay alive. Um, and actually we saw that he was a really honourable guy and he has just been traumatised like everybody else. And, mm. and you know, he's just trying to do the best he can with what he's got. And I, I, I found it interesting how even though he becomes disabled because he loses um, his hand, and has to wear this gold cast, this gold hand going forward. Mm-hmm. So he can't fight. He's not got that strength that he used to have. Mm-hmm. And but, that was such a big part of his identity that, previously, that, wasn't it? And, was and his, his validation. Identity. Yeah, that yeah. was his identity, you know. And and how actually when he when when he lost his identity, that's when he also became the, mm. the, the, a character and a man that we truly loved. Mm -hmm. um I do I did take a bit not umbrage but I didn't really understand the um set and costume designer's choice of giving him a fake hand to just hold like with his other hand up his sleeve rather than just making him a metal glove to put over his actual hand because it just looked really strange then for the whole rest of the series. Well, he he his hand was in the cast, right? So his hand was um, yeah, his hand it was just it was so it was bigger and bigger. weird looking. Yeah, I suppose it's probably intentional, but it felt really jarring to me. It felt like, um, you know, in terms of a prosthetic, one would have thought that they would do a better job for the brother of the queen son of Tyrion Tywin sorry. yeah son of Tywin yeah because I know I know the actor he wanted it to feel uncomfortable because he wanted right. to remember um mm-hmm. so he he wanted to put his hand in there he didn't want it to be just like CGI or anything like that mm. um but no yeah I I do understand what you mean but as well I think because initially when we first meet him he's a gold cloak which means mm. He can't um he can't have a wife, he can't have he can't get married and have children because he's def- he has become a gold cloak and your life is devoted to the king. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and it, that's one of the reasons as well why Tyron really hated uh Rob Baratheon, because he took away his heir, basically, the, mm. the Lannister heir. Um and he apparently did it out of spite. 
So that was one of the reasons why they didn't get along. But obviously, mm-hmm. after after um, he loses his position as a gold cloak, you know, you would think that he would get a better prosthetic or they would look I, after I, him better. Yeah. I do agree with that. I suppose the by bestowing a golden hand on him, um, you know, it's almost um Tywin's way of giving him his own you know it's his own sort of, if you think of that gold cloak by being the thing that prevents him from getting married and having children and and being validated in in those ways it's it's almost a sort of a, a metaphorical chain you know and then actually by by giving him that hand it's Tywin's own sort of brand and and chain of well i've i've given you this golden hand now Mm. so you know you it it's he he then owes something to his father doesn't he and it's it's not a this is a prosthetic to give you freedom this is a prosthetic to give you uh back what you you know may have lost from losing your hand this is this is my brand on you this is my you know the, it's it's awkward it's cumbersome you can no longer wield a sword mm. so yeah it's it's taking away that that soldier identity from him completely but still really tying him and sort of making him what's the word i'm looking for just in debt to his father very much indebted to his father very much tied back into the family even though for for jamie he actually really loved being a soldier you know mm. um being a gold cloak was very important to him because he didn't want to have a wife because he was in love yeah well and he also <laughs> i think i think from what from the conversations between jamie and Tyrion over the seasons you get the distinct impression that you know jamie was always expected to be this certain thing by his father and actually being a soldier and being a gold cloak freed him from that a little bit and meant that he could have the camaraderie of being a soldier and could as you say carry on with Cersei yeah Um, I should probably put huge spoiler alerts beginning of this episode yeah please put a big spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it's um it's it's just I think it's it's very interesting um, that that a prosthetic that you know I always you know I don't use a prosthetic but I always envisage prosthetics as something that is freeing for people something that should enable people um, to do things. This puts uh, puts a bit of different spin on it, and I'd be interested to hear from prosthesis users um, because actually I imagine there is. There is probably some prosthesis users have experienced um, that pressure to to have a prosthetic to pass. Mm. Um, you know, it's there's a lot. I think there's a lot going on there, isn't there? Really, absolutely, absolutely. So you have the two brothers who actually really, really adore each other, and we don't even realise that. You don't realise it when you watch it the first time around. I've watched it too many times to admit it to anybody. (laughs) But you actually see it from their very first interaction in season one, that they do genuinely adore each other. 
and they are very loving to one another. And actually the 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 difficult sibling is Cersei because Cersei just like the dad blames him for the killing of the mom for the mum dying because she died during um Tyrion's birth yeah. yeah during Tyrion's birth so um there's that hatred and then obviously for someone like Tywin his son being born a small person he sees that as like a personal slight on him mm. as the you know this beautiful blonde haired blue-eyed family and then they have this mm. little person and and so he took it very personally you know because for them they, they're a, such a strong family and this this isn't strength this is to him it's weakness yeah. it's it's really interesting because obviously I I read the books first and in my head I had a very distinct idea of um Tyrion and what he looked like and, and who he would be and then when I saw that they cast Peter Dinklage, I I was really surprised because Peter Dinklage is too handsome to play Tyrion. Okay. As far as in, in my head, yeah. Tyrion is supposed to be, even before um, he has his nose cut, like in the, in the book, he has half his nose cut off mm. and he's really scarred and stuff by, um, I can't remember how it happens. In one of the fights, I think it's in the Battle, the Battle of, of King's Walter. Landing. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, but prior to that, he's already, I believe, he's got like a very pronounced, um, sort of forehead. Yeah, pronounced forehead and brow, and he's supposed to be, um, he's just. I mean, they call him an, the imp really sh- more strongly in the book, I think, than you get the impression in the mm. in the show, and. Yeah, I can remember being like of the two of them. Actually, I I think Peter Dinklage is even as his character, he's incredibly charismatic and very charming. And would I would consider him the more attractive of the brothers? Oh right, okay. You know, even if you know um, Jamie is you know tall and blonde and handsome, there is. There is something unattractive about his character in the early um, books, I think. Whereas Tyrion is, you know, although he is that that lovable rogue, there is something much more endearing about him. Um, he's got depth to him mm. from day one, uh, I think. So, I I remember I tried I tried re listening to so i read on my kindle the first time mm. uh all the books and then i tried listening to them end of last year and it just made me feel really really stressed because i was like i know all the awful things that are going to happen i don't know if i can put myself through it again mm. um but i remember uh i was reminded of a conversation really early on between Tyrion and Jon snow on the way to the wall yeah which is like the first half of the first book where Tyrion tells Jon that bastards are all dwarves in their father's eyes. Yeah. And it is the the insight that he has into human nature that has very much come from the fact that he's been really rejected in many ways by his family is is very interesting. It's the darkest part of human nature, but I think it's really interesting and I think that it's because of that that he that 
it's it's Jamie's relationship with Tyrion that gives you a lot of the complexity to, of Jamie, I think, because because he's kind of under the thumb to Cersei mm. the whole time. He's a bit of a sort of just driven by um, glory as a soldier, but you see that you know there is a back and forth. And Tyrion is protective of his of Jaime in the same way that Jaime is protective of Tyrion. Mm. And I think that that relationship is really interesting. And I think that the way that the characters develop and the way their relationship develops, the power dynamic actually becomes much more equal um, when Jaime loses his hand mm. from it being a position of you know Tyrion has the intellectual high ground mm. but Jamie has the the power in every other sense I I understand that I understand that and it's weird because when you're talking about certain conversations or interactions and and you know where it is in the books I can think of what episode it is mm-hmm. so um Tyrion has that conversation with John um in I think the episodes bastard cripples and broken things and he's and he's, <laughs> he's telling him to kind of own own the title of being a bastard because John really hates that title yeah and he tells him to um own sorry he's telling him to own that title and it's fascinating because later on in Battle of the Bastards in season six episode um nine um when when Ramsay is calling John a, a bastard to try oh God, to yeah, try and get him yeah. angry, it doesn't phase John at all. Yeah, and it's because he has start he's owned that title, so it doesn't yeah. bother him anymore. Whereas yeah. it's that's no longer being a bastard is really important to Ramsay. So I think I think both I think both characters, both Tyrion and Jaime throughout learn a lot from the characters they're amongst Mm. so for someone like Jamie he very much saw his father figure or would prefer a father figure in someone like um Lord Selmy Mm -hmm. who goes off with Khaleesi because Mm -hmm. he looked up to him and and said you know when you used to when you used to kill people it was like you were painting a picture because it was like a beautiful piece of art so he very much looks up to him in that regard. And mm. I think with with Tyrion, he looks up to his brother because he only has his brother as someone who truly loves him or has ever devoted any time to him. Mm. So although watching it the first time, I didn't see any redeeming characteristics in Jamie until later on when I go back it's always there but Mm. we were just well for me anyway I just automatically um hated Jamie because in the very first episode you see him push a boy off of a building and say you know the things you do for love yeah and so how am I not going to hate this individual it's it's really interesting as well to hear you talk about it because as somebody who had read all of the books that are already out by the time my husband was on the second season of Game of Thrones, we would talk a little bit about 
characters and a little bit about what happens to um to people and his feelings about people and he was the same he hated jamie and i can remember sitting there thinking give it time you know and and thinking because i had really warmed to him again it's it's that interactions with him and brienne and the way that the things that are so important to jamie are his his loyalty is very important to jamie you know as much as he may betray people as much as he may manipulate in some ways the things that are the most important to him are it's always cersei it's always getting back to her even at the very end of the uh, mm -hmm. the, the show you know i said to dave i kind of hate how it ended for him and her 100%. because i i wanted her to be punished and i wanted him to be okay 100 percent a hundred percent yeah and i and personally i feel like it 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 just got they simplified it too much they boiled it down too much at, at the end with the way that that they died um again spoilers 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 mm. <laughs> no way but, would the yeah. jamie that we started to know no way would he have gone back after everything no. he'd seen and experienced he saw like the living dead he actually witnessed it yeah. all he fought yeah. with them and i'm not saying he had to stay with brienne because that wasn't that i didn't i felt like that was a weird like i did not see that yeah coming and it did not feel like a good coupling she was the she was the twin he should have had they were so matched in that regard and and yes she was in love with him it was very obvious that's a but, fantastic way of putting it actually, but they were they were each other's equals it shouldn't it should shouldn't have, have become sexual no it, it's weird no basically i agree i agree totally agree and, yeah and i think and as you say they were each other's equal they the relationship that they had was a was a much better sort of sibling partnership whereas actually the relationship that he always had with cersei was always sexual and it kind of you almost forget that they're siblings you sometimes do. because of how sexualized their relationship is and the weird power dynamic that they have yeah so yeah it's no i just i'm, I'm really taken with that phrase that what that's really that sort of, sums it up really nicely I, I mean a lot of us called it twincest because we didn't mm. we didn't know excuse me i think when you first saw that first episode for someone who's not read the books mm. and you know you hear you hear what's happening in the tower and you're like oh what's he gonna see and then you see them and you're like wait i thought they were siblings and then you think oh no maybe i've got it wrong mm. and then you realize no they are siblings and you're like what the hell Again, in the book, one of the things that, and of course you can't do it with casting really, but in the book, the, they're, they're described as basically having the same face, being, being the same, like there's a, I'm sure there is a conversation where Cersei says something really gross, like when I'm fucking Jamie, I'm looking into my own eyes or something, all of my own face. And you're just like, I mean, that, that it's, it's a, it says a lot about her ego yeah but it's they are supposed to be as close to identical twins as you know a male and female twin set can be 
but I think as well, I think the way that Tywin's ego is as well, it, it, it's understandable that, I don't mean it's understandable that they're sleeping together, but for her to have that kind of mentality, whereas actually the mm. only person good enough for me is my twin. Yeah. And he's probably not even good enough for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and, and... I mean, the way that she treats him, she treats him like a like a sex slave in a lot of ways, doesn't she? 100%. She, she, yeah. she, she very much... She very much does. And and he it's it's weird how very quickly it was just so normalized to to us to watch and not even mm. Matt and I we we knew they were twins, we watched it, you'd for, but you'd forget because it was such a good it was such a good story. The first the first like seasons one to six was so good that mm. you forget got i think one of the things that i can remember being that sort of almost reminded me that they were siblings is when she starts sleeping with her cousin when jamie's in imprisoned because it's like well i can't have the guy that looks like me so i'll have the guy that looks like the guy who looks like me you know it's like the next closest best thing yeah um and it is that that's the kind of the reminder that she is completely in this for the sexual gratification there is actually for her as much as and i have i have a lot of i didn't necessarily feel it in the books but i felt as though that show boiled older women very much down to mothers and not a lot else mm. that was what drove Catelyn and Cersei in particular that was all that drove them mm. was they were mothers and I think women are more complex than the fact that they pushed a person out of them I'd like to think I'm more <laughs> complex than that yeah yeah so <laughs> um that was that was my I mean I could do a whole podcast on that but um but yeah I think that, that dynamic with Cersei and Jamie as well the way it changes after he loses his hand you know he comes back to her and he's he's now he's given this weird but it, you know indulgent and beautiful in a lot of ways um prosthetic you know it's a, a solid gold hand mm. and he's just it's like she talks to him like someone broke her favorite toy yeah. or ruined her like favorite dress. It's like, well, what do I want with this now? Yeah, it's all about her. Mm. It, it, it very much is, and because that's for her, that's a reflection on her. And he's not—he's flawed now. He's not mm. perfection anymore. Mm. Um, and I think even when you think about the Lannister siblings, like Tyrion sleeps with anything that moves and and mm -hmm. and we you know we see Cersei has several sexual partners throughout the seasons but with Jamie we only actually I think he felt like he cheated on uh yeah Cersei when he slept with Brienne because from, I think that's because part I, of the reason why he rushes back, back to, to her, her at yeah because yeah. I suspect that she was the only person he'd ever slept with I'm sh I am sure that that conversation is had at some point he says something to somebody like i know that my sister's had sex with robert but the only person that i've ever been with is my sister and because because people 
people say stuff like people know people know that they're having an incestuous relationship Everybody and everybody's like win. yeah yeah and everybody's like dude that's really gross and he's like no i love my sister i'm committed to my sister like i would rather be in a monogamous relationship with my sister than sleeping with 50 women who aren't my sister okay um that's it's a it's a whole yeah. thing it, 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 it really is it really is, is it? <laughs> and then and then when you think about theon season one um mm. actually we see him having sex with um Roz, which is one of mine and my sister's favorite characters because we love peripheral characters yeah so Roz, we really love because she was like she was the wench from from west from oh god where's from beyond from um oh my god winterfell she was yeah she was the wench from winterfell who went to king's landing and actually you know became a very prominent person who like ran a brothel and so but the first time we actually see Roz, she's having sex with with theon Theon. yeah and he's got this glorious penis and i don't know if it's real or if it was if it was prosthetic or what for the show but he's got a big penis and that is i think for him another person who he's i have to say that's not audio described right (laughs) i i i was was very glorious penis i was very (laughs) impressed with theon greyjoy's penis well done alfie allen well done alfie (laughs) allen and so and so he's really cocky. He's very loud in opinion. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I've realised what I've said. <laughs> he's very loud and opinionated. But we know that comes from a place where actually he was taken as a ward as a child, mm. given to um, Ned, so his dad would behave. Mm-hmm. And so he wants to get back to his dad. And he, you know, he his brothers have died and he misses his sister and he's stuck as an outsider at Winterfell. And so, you know, he's he although he's been brought up with them, he's not one of them. And it's it's very similar. The the parallels between he and John are very similar. Yeah. Um, I you know, on purpose, I'm sure. Um, and I think that the 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 vibe that I get actually is that Theon was more accepted in Winterfell perhaps than John was. Yeah, because, because... Catelyn did yeah. despise John. Yeah, but Theon is like in this space where he's not one of them, and there mm-hmm. are people in Winterfell who, you know, will uh, will remember exactly what the Greyjoys have done to them mm. when they've gone, you know, stealing and or raped their women so so for them there's a lot of hatred and the first interaction we see between um theon and uh Tyrion as well you know Tyrion, they're both talking about this great battle that had happened years ago um between uh the lannisters and the greyjoys and you mm. know um Everybody kind, not everybody, but a lot of people look down on Theon because of his surname. But his surname is really important to him, and mm-hmm. he, he, you know, he, and and so for him, he starts as this gobby person who then, but he's he's Rob's best friend, and he says to Rob in season two, "I'll go and talk to my dad, 
I'll bring our men back and we will fight with you against the Lannisters. And he goes home and he expects he's going to have this amazing, um, there's going to be amazing celebration. When yeah, he, when so he lands. it's a reunion. Yeah, and yeah. nobody's there apart from his sister. And um, even their introduction was very difficult, <laughs> very touchy-feely. But he goes back and his dad's not, you know, his dad looks down on him. His dad's mm-hmm. very much like, oh, you're wearing, you're wearing their clothes. You're acting mm-hmm. like them. And mm-hmm. his dad just disrespects him throughout. And because of that, he start he makes these decisions that <sighs> I hate what happens to him because Theon is my favorite character. And really? Yeah, and me and my sister fight about it. All, well, we fought about it all the time because she hated Theon. Um, I wasn't a Khaleesi fan. I also wasn't a fan of Catelyn, but my sister understood Catelyn's anger towards John. But I'd seen the series and my sister hadn't. But I think even if I hadn't seen the series, I very much would have been on like John and Theon's kind of side. And 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 for me, you know, there's a there's a catalogue of events that and decisions Theon makes that means he ends up being captured by by Ramsay. And, um, you know, he's mutilated. Lots of unspeakable things happen to him. And um, he, he, he loses all identity of anything he ever is. But in that, one of the things he, he does remember and he does say is, you know, my father was Ned Stark. Mm-hmm. Because actually Ned showed him more love and compassion and empathy than his father ever did or would have even if he was there and it's it's interesting because very literally he has to be castrated to stop being so cocky and so arrogant and to realize that actually he was loved and valued before yeah yeah and that actually he threw all you know had he been able to you know had had he gone back to his father and it hadn't worked out and he'd gone okay fine and gone back to Rob you know he he could have helped change the the path the direction of what happened um but instead he abandoned the family that he had and it's um it's really I think one of the reasons that all of that the the stuff that Ramsay does to him is so horrible is because of the huge kind of regret that's hanging over it. Mm. It's quite, I mean, I, I never liked Theon from the the point that the books finished where he is, he, I do not feel as though he has redeemed himself. I don't necessarily think he deserves what has happened to him. Mm. Um, I think I was probably too busy being slightly terrified and traumatized by Ramsay Bolton. Mm. Some of the, best casting i've ever like best performance i've ever seen as well as that lad from who was in what's the fucking show he was in where he played a superhero um it was channel four. Oh, there's people shouting at their like phones right now where he acquires superpowers and he is the sweetest nicest guy oh ramsey you mean yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, know, I know who you mean yeah and then he turns up in 
Game of Thrones and he's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Like dead behind the eyes terrifying. Yeah. Um yeah. My Sorry, sister digress. was really excited when she saw him cuz mm. she watched she watched um Oh my god, why's that gone from me as well? Misfits. Misfits. She yes. loved Misfits and we really loved yeah. his character. So when she saw him, she's like, Oh my god, I love him. And I thought, Oh, <laughs> oh no. Because <laughs> she loved, ended up being that because she loved um Cersei as well from something else. She's like, Oh my god, I love her. I was like, Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh. You're not going to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just no, watched his face, but yeah. I think I think Ramsey's probably the scariest character. Like the thing. The thing with what happened to Rickon, like that, that's not in the books. But the way that that happens on screen, I, I, <laughs> so we watched an episode. We watched the episode where the guy's like, the guy turns up and says, I've got Rickon. And they're like, prove it. And he's got Shaggy Dog's head. Yeah. And for like two days, I just kept walking around my house. To, it was over Christmas. So my husband just kept going, not Shaggy Dog. <laughs> oh, Shaggy Dog. Because in the books, Rickon's three. Right. He's yeah. a little baby. Yeah. So by the time he's captured in like in the show, because it takes them what? seven years to film that far mm. he's like 13 mm. but in the books that kid should be five right and i'm just like not shaggy dog and then the way that ramsey gets him oh god it was some of the tensest like tv i've ever watched it was really upset me that did there's an amazing uh youtube podcast called uh, new rock stars and they break down every single character and kind of predict what's going to happen with stuff and um one of the things they say about that scene is we're used to things going in threes so normally some you know you miss them you miss them and then you hit them so he missed him three times so then we all think thank god and then he gets him on the fall so that's why we were all we thought oh he's over it now yeah and then he just hits him and yeah yeah it it was awful and I think what what made that scene as well so really powerful for me was it was the same child actor yeah so that made it because with uh Marcella is it Marcella Lannister yes Marcella yeah yeah, uh, Baratheon it it was a different (laughs) actress but actually with with the uh with all those children it was it it was the same children Mm. and so that also made it really really um powerful yeah 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 but with like with Theon I think I mean I I feel like he totally redeemed himself and certainly that very the that final battle at Winterfell was yeah (laughs) the minute the minute they were doing the logistics of where everyone was going to be and they said oh Theon uh, you're gonna guard (laughs) Bran, I started to cry because <laughs> I know I knew right. He's you're dead. Yeah, you're dead because that's exactly where the Night Kings come in. Yeah, but even the, the way he, de- I mean, I sobbed for every time I saw Theon in that episode. I sobbed because I'm like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But at, at that last minute, he was so scared, and Bran mm. reminded him of who he actually is. You know, you're a good man. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, I, I. But I felt he redeemed himself way before that. Um, I think the moment he 
grabbed Sanister's uh, Sanister Sansa's hand and jumped. Yeah, and jumped from that very very tall wall into like <laughs> drift snow and yeah. survived. The moment yeah. he did that, um, he'd completely redeemed himself to me. Mm. Uh, and and he, he, he... It, and it did feel like Sansa was the one actually that he owed his apology to. Yeah, as well. Yeah, and it was so beautiful then that when he did die, she goes and whispers in his ear, and she mm. lights the pyre for his, for mm. for you know to to burn him. Um, and she very much saw him as a brother because the two of them witnessed things together. You know, he mm. had to stand and watch her her rape on her wedding mm-hmm. night you know mm-hmm. and 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 see the bruises and and know exactly what happened to her and mm-hmm. so um they were very they were incredibly close and obviously when we first see Sansa she's just a spoiled little brat mm-hmm. she's just a spoiled little brat and um it, I never ever warmed to Sansa so even at the very end I wasn't a fan of hers I very much blame her for, um, I think she plays a part in Varys getting killed. Um, she definitely played a part in what happened to John at the end. A lot of her just life mm-hmm. decisions, I think, um, plays a part in other characters' demise. But that's what Littlefinger taught her. He mm-hmm. taught her that you have to think of every eventuality. Mm-hmm. And that is one thing I do really enjoy about the show. Everybody has a set of um, almost like guardians who they learn from in, in Game of Thrones. And for Sansa, it very much was she, she learned from, she learned from Littlefinger. She learned from... Um, Cersei she did learn some things mm-hmm. from Cersei yeah absolutely I was just thinking that she yeah. really Cersei was shaping her to be a almost her opposite to be that um you know she wanted her to be a doormat for Joffrey yeah. she wanted her to be the queen she could control and so she pushed that the um what's the word I'm you know deferential um and and just yeah powerless femininity versus her own very um sexually angry femininity but she does have some quite honest conversations so like the blackwater Mm. episode when they're you know when they're all underground keeping safe and she talks about you know you know my when we were younger, my dad put a sword in my brother's hand and a doll in mine. And mm-hmm. she's talking to her about just the misogyny, misogyny of, you know, yeah. of, of what they're going through. So, so for Sansa, it's like she has Cersei, um, Littlefinger, and she also has, um, what's his name? The Hound, um, yeah. as people who teach her. And then you have uh, Arya who also has the Hound. She has Brienne, and so everybody has like at least three or four people where they're absorbing information from to be better at, at, at people, and mm-hmm. and for and so for somebody like Theon, he, he had he initially had like um, 
Rob and and Ned. But then after that, he was he had nobody. Mm. Thankfully, Yara still fought for him. You know, she never turned her back on him. She came to get him, but he was. And that's when he used to sleep with the dogs in the kennels when she came to Mm. get him and he wouldn't leave with her because Mm. he thought it was a trick. He was that far gone that he thought this must be a trap. And so he he was... Well, and he'd been betrayed by his biological family once already. Yeah. So why would he believe, you know, if, if your abuser is telling you nobody cares about you, nobody's coming for you, it's all anything that happens to you is by my design mm. and then the family who's betrayed you once already comes to you you've got no reason to believe they're going to help you no and then we have the time as well where you know you have Yara and Theon standing together like unified and then Euron just rocks up and you know he he wants to be king mm. and they're like well you know we, why should we follow Euron and not Theon almost like Mm. but for Theon he's very much no I'm not going for this throne this belongs to my sister Yara so even then he's not he doesn't revert back to his old ways um he he has become a a different person and Game of Thrones is good at doing that uh you know them starting out one way something Mm -hmm. happening then becoming disabled and then being a a very different character and that's a good thing but it's also a negative because then you know what is the what are they as a as a a show or as a book what are they saying about disability well and and it you saying that so the thing that I always said to my husband before I watched the show was my favorite character my favorite characters were Arya because she was just a firecracker from day one. And I just, I just thought, yeah, that's little girls shouldn't take shit. And I, I liked her for that. Mm. Um, and, and Bran, I loved Bran from the moment I read his first, I don't know why there was just something about him that I, I really liked. And the way he develops in the book, um following his when he becomes disabled yes he does absolutely have that um oh woe is me what am I going to do with myself now that I'm disabled bit but then he does grow and I left him in the book uh climbing into the um into the tree thing where uh you know he could the Oh, it's not called the world tree but you know where like he can then see the past and the future and everything yeah. all at the same time person the, the performance as much as anything that you get from that young man after he s- stops being bran and starts being the three-eyed raven mm. so he's called three, three-eyed yeah, crow three-eyed, three-eyed raven. raven raven yeah he becomes very wooden and it's it's clearly intentional I think that they they've said even in the way that he's he vo- he vocalizes he's monotonous and that he loses a lot of depth there mm. um and and that was it was interesting for me because my husband hated Bran because of that he was just like 
he just used to be like, oh, I want to punch him in the face because he's just so wooden. Um, and it's hard to take anything he says seriously and it's hard to see any... There's, there's no emotion there on purpose and I understand what they were doing with the performance mm. but actually for me it really undermined the complexity of the character um but i found it very interesting that what that book very purposefully does is take away brand's legs and give him the ability to fly um it is a very stereotypical disability trope of you lose a physical ability you gain something magical that means it doesn't matter like it's the whole oh you know somebody is blinded but then they can see the future that kind of thing it's very um it's it's all a bit basic and a bit like really are we still doing this mm. but despite that there was something about bran and something about the way that he he connected the i know that it was his connection with hodor that is what resulted in hodor developing some kind of cognitive impairment um or like learning disability i suppose for lack of a better um sort of phrase yeah i mean but but there is something about the connection that he has with hodor the connection that he has with the dogs um and the the determination that he has to be like this is this is, i i have to find where the three-eyed raven is sending me before he then goes on to become the three-eyed raven that um i just i really liked bran i really liked him in the books and then the the tv show stole him from me because that before <laughs> just sucked all of the life out of the character and i think it's a real shame that they they did that and there's you know that bit at, towards the end where they, they're in the godswood at the final battle of winterfell and they're like oh yeah um and he's just like i'm not bran anymore so it doesn't matter what happens to me mm. and and it's just the Game of Thrones books are fundamentally all about the Stark family and they're about family. And I feel like actually what that character deserved was to, to lose himself perhaps for a while and then grow back into himself with the knowledge that he's, he gains. And I think that had that happened, the ultimate end where he becomes Bran the Broken, first of his name, I'd have been more okay with that outcome. I don't like Bran. No. My sister hates Bran. And um, yeah, so our podcast was, I'd already seen the show and I was taking my sister through the show an episode at a time. And then we would discuss it and dissect episodes by episode so like we put a lot of time into it and then life got in the way and we never got to watch well we had to wait quite a while for season eight 
Mm-hmm. And then um, I never watched it with my sister. The moment I saw he got, he got the throne, I thought, fucking hell, how is my sister going to watch this shit? Right? So mm. we've never, and we've, she's never watched season eight. And it was just the other day uh, we were talking about it. And, and she says, you might as well tell me what happened. She says, because we're never going to, we're never going to be able to do the, the, the podcast we just don't have the time and I was like do you really want to know she says I've heard it's a shit series she says but yeah tell me and I was like well all right so guess who ends up on the throne and she's like really not all these names and I'm yeah. like Bran he was absolutely the last person I would have chosen I wouldn't have like... I, I don't even know and I understand like obviously um Tyrion's really smart and very thoughtful and you know he's his rationale is, you know, Bran knows everything, so it's really good to put him on the throne. But I still don't get it and never will. No. I, I do have to defend him, though, and his the coldness, because I think after witnessing it, it, it was like all of a sudden all this information was just downloaded onto his brain so mm-hmm. not in an autistic way where you've got sensory overload and you've got everything at the same time but it kind of was like that where mm-hmm. he was just a normal little boy he, he he'd lost his ability to walk but he was still just a little kid and then all of a sudden everything is downloaded onto him he sees the death of his dad he probably saw the death of his mom his siblings he would have seen how um Rickon would have died he mm. he would have seen I mean because some of the images that we see and that rock that new rock stars podcast downloaded and and talked about every image and what they think it was and so even some of the images of the dragon flying over um uh King's Landing um that's actually when Khaleesi is going to burn the place to the ground mm. so he within an hour has seen some unspeakable things happen to his loved ones he knows exactly how everything's going to end and how it started what what does that do to you other than make Mm. you incredibly numb incredibly frightened and just kind of force you to just switch off and so even when we get to season seven and he comes back to Winterfell and you know, we know that the Night King's coming and Mira, who stayed with him because her brother, mm. her brother was obviously epileptic, but Mira stays with him and he's he's just really cold to her and she's she looks at him and she's like, is that it? Mm. She goes, I have risked my life for you and, and, and mm. this is how you treat me. She says, I'm going home to be with my family and she leaves yeah. to go back. But for, for Bran, he's just he knows and has seen everything and that must make you completely numb and shell-shocked so i i understand the coldness to him i just feel frustrated that he i I feel frustrated that his again his cockiness of you know the 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 three-eyed ravens fast asleep and he's like i know i'll go on a tour and he goes and he meets up with the Night King and all that happens because now we know where the Night King's location mm-hmm. is. And then that happens to Hodor. And he kind of realises that because of a decision he's made, 
this happens to Hodor or this mm. has happened to Hodor. So yeah. I, 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 and I get all of that as well in him feeling that, that guilt over that, this person who loved him and protected him throughout. Yeah. And he had inadvertently caused that like God knows how long before. Yeah. So I feel angry at him and a lot of decisions he's, he makes and a lot of things his characters his character does and I feel angry that he ends up on the throne and when they suggest him and he's like well I was waiting for you to ask so he knows he's going to end up on the mm. throne I mm. feel pissed off about all of that but I do understand his level of um coldness yeah that makes sense to me and I never thought I, I would think... ever defend Bran about anything <laughs> I think what it really fundamentally boils down to unfortunately is that the reason the first six seasons were so good was that when you take content from a book that is you know three or four inches thick like some of those game of thrones books are um that you have so much characterization and depth to work with and even if you you know you trim it down and you boil it down to fit it into 10 episodes in a season there's the actors have so much to build on the writers have so much to build on to to give things a reason to give things you know to move things forward in a way that feels real and right and they just they did not have that they had the skeleton of this happens this happens this happens and they also um, I know for that final season, was it one or possibly both of the um, head writers were off to do Star Wars? Yeah. So it was just a bit like, let's crack this out and move on. Um, and I think for those of us who love the books and love the characters and, you know, loved the characters that were in the show, it's almost like that's the biggest betrayal was that they weren't given the ending and the time that they deserved to to get because actually i i think i think what happened to daenerys was the right was absolutely the right thing but again it got rushed into mm. so quickly um you know that kind of madness should have built slower the relationship between her and john you could see coming from like book four i was like oh, well, if he's not Ned's bastard, then he's probably Ned's sister's bastard or something. I bet he's a Targaryen. Oh, I wonder if this will happen. And it sh it's you could see it coming that her and John were going to get together. And it just, none of it was given the time mm. it really needed. Mm. And that's, I think it will go down in history as just some of the worst endings for what could have been some of the and for some of the early stuff was was some of the best tv we've had in the last 20 years very much so and for me with with um with Khaleesi she she definitely had mental health difficulties um mm. she I I saw it coming on from season Two, although my yeah. my sister argued against that. So whenever Khaleesi did anything wrong, and I would ask her, because I would, I I hate spoilers, so I would always just 
ask the questions or play devil's advocate from both sides, but she was for Khaleesi. When it got to the point where she nails the slavers to mm -hmm. uh, the, the crosses, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I'm saying to my sister, come on, that's wrong. And she's like, everything they've done to other people. I says, yeah, I'm not saying that's right. I says, but she's doing exactly the same thing. So whereas John was... John started out a certain way and was maturing and he was learning. Um, Khaleesi very much saw herself as the breaker of chains, but was very much a dictatorship. Mm -hmm. and, and my sister just couldn't see it. And it's, it's classic dictators, though, is like they will find for what the, their reasons are many and varied, but fundamentally they rule with fear and murder because yeah. that's what dictators do exactly and i yeah. think I, I do have empathy for her in regards to you know she just lost her dragons she lost missande which was such a wonderful ally and sister for her to have mm -hmm. so she'd lost all of that she'd lost um jewelry as well uh, uh is it jewelry or joran Jorah. Jorah. There's the Jory and a Jorah, Joran and a, but Jorah. So she, she just like... I'm pretty sure that in the book, Theon's sister isn't called Yara. She's called something else. Okay. But it's so similar to Theon. It's like Thea or something like that, or right. Theanne, that they right. were like, we can't, we can't, we do, can't it. do this. Thank <laughs> We've, God. Got to... We've got to do it differently. <laughs> People will be too confused. And, and, and so she just lost a lot of people. She'd done this massive battle. She just found out the guy she's in love with is her nephew. She had, she'd experienced a lot of loss and a lot of stress. So I have that empathy for her. But for her to get to King's Landing and she's saying, I'm going to free these people from the dictatorship that is Cersei and then just burns everybody. And my sister hasn't, she, she never saw that series. Um, but for her to just do all of that and then people were shocked that john did what he did i was like are you serious john isn't about nice. john is very much uh for the people and he always has been and so if he didn't do that i would have lost respect for him what was an indicator for me was that she spent seven seasons going oh my dragons are my babies and mother of dragons i love my dragons they're my babies and then two of her dragons die in like the space of three episodes or something and she's just like oh well that shit i was like sorry should you not be on your knees like because not only were they your greatest weapon but they were supposed to be your babies mm -hmm. where is your heart yeah and that for me was where i went that's it's not it's not about other people for her no it, it very much was about about her and her having the right to, to sit on this throne power again isn't it's, it yeah it's the whole power thing again and mm -hmm. and she got there the people who who blindly and followed her and loved her had all passed away the only one who was still there at that time was um gray worm he was mm. the only one who was still there obviously the unsullied was there and they do follow her but her kind of council was no longer there. She mm -hmm. burnt Varys. Yeah. Um, 
and even that, dark, man, that, I was like, honey. He had done so much for her. Yeah. And she, she started to turn on him in like season seven. Yeah, the betrayal that the so-called betrayal that he did against her was so small in comparison to what he had done for her. Exactly, exactly. And um, so I I saw that coming on and and they, you know, the the Targaryens are very famous for ancestral relationships, which brings on madness is what they say in the show. Uh, that as well can explain, I guess, <laughs> uh, what's his name, Joffrey, because that's incestuous as as yep. well. He he comes from incest. So you have. I suspect Joffrey was. He was just... also a, he was a sociopath. He was a psychopath. Yeah, he was just enabled. He, he was just he, enabled by his mother. He was and yeah, everything all wrapped up in one. I was so glad when he died like I don't you know it's because he's supposed to be like 17 and it's like that's kind of sad but fucking hell if anybody deserved it it was that bastard the way he killed Roz you know what I mean just torture Mm. tortured her Um, it was but then it was the what happened to Tommen I just I saw it coming and I was really sad for him because again he's just a little boy. He's a little boy. Right? He was like the own he he was such a decent person as well. He was just innocent, wasn't he? He was. And yeah. he got stuck between uh Cersei and uh his wife uh Marjorie. Marjorie. He was stuck between the two and y- you know, Cersei had already seen um that palm reader or whoever and yeah told, you know, three three you'll have three kids and they'll all end up dead was basically what she was told and she'd seen two already die and she she was willing to make that sacrifice mm-hmm. you know for her to get that power and if you think yeah. about it she had three kids Khaleesi had three kids and they you know whatever happens let it happen and mm. and yeah it, it because he was definitely going through depression he was absolutely depressed and lost without his wife he was pulled between Cersei Marjorie and uh religion um he was he was a 14 year old boy and a girl had been like hey I'm gonna touch your penis and so he was like you are the best thing that's ever happened marry me yeah exactly and then his mum was like no I'm in charge and then his god was like no you should be doing like yeah it was we have digressed so far from disability but we've also been talking for a really long time so i'm sure we've um, mentioned disabilities well it's it's come up in passing (laughs) i think one of the things that i will say for game of thrones despite all of its flaws in the end is that it does i think there are some really positive representations of disability in there and i think that if nothing else, it showed us that people like Peter Dinklage, who have got very visible, very noticeable disabilities, can be intelligent, can be strong, can be charismatic, can be interesting. And I will, that is something that I really applaud as much as there's you know in the books in particular some of the language that's used around Tyrion is just like it makes me feel dirty Mm. but 
and I suspect again it, it's partly down to it the Peter Dinklage of it all. He just does it very mm. well. Um but you know the having a, a huge central character like that with such a visible disability that's actually quite a big two fingers up mm. to ableism. Um, so you know, I kind of got to give it its juice for that. Yeah, I do agree with you actually, because he's the only. I'm I'm just thinking about all the actors because there's so many damn actors in that show, and and for a newbie, <laughs> that first season, just trying to learn people's names was hard for someone well, like and, me. And all all the all the guys from the north, they're all dark haired, bearded fellas in fur coats. It's like for for a visually impaired person, I'm like, no, that guy looks the same like all the <laughs> other guys. Yeah. thankfully i'd read the book so i knew who was like i was like oh in the book that's this person so it must be this whereas to me like trying to learn people's names i was like what the hell is going on (laughs) and how are they related and what does that mean um but from all the the actors i think i think peter dinklage is the only one who is um I mean, there may be some that have disabilities that I'm not aware of, but very yeah. Peter Dinklage, you know, he he's he has a, a a disability that we can see, and he is amazing in that role. And and mm. although there are times where I thought some of the some of the scenes were a bit ugh, disappointing, but when you look at when you look at the seasons from from season one to to eight i was forget that that season eight even exists seasons one to eight he's a damn good actor um in in um house of the dragon one of the main characters is he's autistic in real life okay yeah uh because i because he popped in my head i was like no no that's a different uh, that's a different show so yeah the only person i know of who's actually disabled is peter dinklage and he he was he was an excellent actor you didn't see him as being different from any of the other people in a scene you know it was for me very quickly he was just he was just another actor who was he, doing a he really acted good job some of those non-disabled people into the ground 100%. there were some scenes where i was just like like you like i think i can't imagine what it must be like i mean i've done it in my own job where you know you're you're at work and then you see somebody who's in the same job as you and they're just incredible and you just think shall i just go home mm. <laughs> i think there must have been must have been happening on a daily basis for people on set with Diglett. yeah and and th- they would have had to have made reasonable adjustments for him mm-hmm. all the time which were quite the reasonable adjustments would have been very physical to see like you know because he he is he's a small person so even him being able to reach stuff there Mm -hmm. needs to be things there to support him to do that Mm -hmm. but I think as well even things like that would have very quickly become invisible to people and you would have just very much seen him as your equal there because I saw him as just another really good actor. And one of the things that they do in the show that you don't get from the book is that there are things that are a physical challenge for him because of his disability that you see that just is for non-disabled viewers a kind of 
oh yeah i never thought of that you know his saddle that he has he has a special saddle because of course he needs a special saddle you know there are things where i think i vaguely remember a scene where he's he he has to really pull a chair out to sit at a table because he can't just sort of slide into a chair and lower himself in because the seat is at like his waist mm. and those are the sorts of things that for non-disabled people and for people who don't have the disability that he has you don't necessarily think of and so again it is a that is a is a challenge to ableist expectations it's going to people will see that and they will then if they come across a person of small stature in the real world they'll be mindful that oh is is there something I can do to help this person, to support this person, to facilitate things for them that they may never have considered? I'm glad you have that much faith in humankind <laughs> because actually I I think a lot of people then associated small people with him. So when they True. throw small people out, then they shout things like Tyrion. Does that make I sense? Suspect, yes, but, yeah, but, there, there's absolutely going to have been that of it as well yeah but no I think you're right and I think like the in, in again in season one when he goes back to Winterfell and he asks about how Bran is and he draws uh, a saddle for mm. Brad for them to make for him that will help him to be able to sit on mm. on the horse and ride and and yeah. yeah he 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 understands those reasonable adjustments that people make but equally though he is in a privileged position because he's a Lannister yeah you know um but that that doesn't mean that you have to be as compassionate as he is as a as a person in the program mm -hmm. and I think he does have a lot of time for for people in the program um whereas some other people who have may have disabilities and be be uh from a family that privileged wouldn't wouldn't have mm. you know they would have been they would have been just as pompous as their other family members so yeah so game of thrones i think we've kind of covered a little bit of everything yeah um i feel like i could probably talk about this for days yeah um but I don't necessarily think that's what our listeners want. But let us know if you do. <laughs> we could always uh, drag Melissa back again and again and again. Uh... <laughs> I think it would. I mean, I, I we obviously spoke about it at the very, very beginning. If you do have an opportunity to watch House of the Dragon, I'd recommend you do it. There's, there's, there is disability in that as well, and it's very fascinating how the the route that they take with the disabled people in that okay. series compared to mm -hmm. what they did in game of thrones in my opinion but equally as well it's we've only had one season so sure the characters may change but i don't think they will okay interesting yeah. well maybe um you can come back at you know when we've got another season or so and we can perhaps have a chat yep um happy to do about that. house of the dragons fantastic melissa thank you so much for coming on thank you um do you want to tell people where they can find you on the internet, where they can find your uh, unfinished YouTube podcast? My podcast was taken down. Okay. Uh, a lot of Game of Thrones podcasts were taken down just before House of the Dragon went up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, YouTube got really, really, really strict. Um, 
so that was quite upsetting um oh. i'm all right i'll live somehow <laughs> <laughs> um you can find me on um twitter under miss taught that's m i s t a u g h t miss taught so i'm on there i'm on the christine mcginnis documentary on the bbc called unmasking my autism um, and you're gonna do us uh, a written piece to, talking about that aren't you to go out with our uh, newsletter yes although i'm very behind with everything okay. so i will i will do it <laughs> i just don't know when but I, I have every intentions of doing that tbc um, it's fun yeah t yeah definitely tbc um but i think yeah i think twitter is probably the best place to catch me ranting about inequalities and talking about uh star wars and uh marvel that sounds like exactly what i want to see on my twitter feed so Good. thank you so much thank you for making time to come and talk to me today i really appreciate it thank you uh guys if you enjoyed this episode please leave us a review on apple podcasts it's really helpful um and a really great way to get other people to find the show um you can follow us on all the social medias we are at labeled pod and i will see you back with lucy very soon bye thanks for listening to the label podcast if you like the show you can rate review and subscribe and you can follow us on social media at labeled pod this episode was edited by adam hall our music was by Maisie crunden and we'd like to thank the rest of the team involved <laughs> <laughs>